Amen. Thank you, Brother Danny. Brother Danny. Well, I love that song. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I, I'm a little bit of an emotional sort myself. I try not to let that show too much, but you know, any kind of movie or anything, my allergies act up really bad, you know, all the time <laughs> watch these movies. And uh, I get reading some books sometime. I was in the office the other day. I was reading a book, and they was telling the story about a dad that had been praying for his daughter, and she came home. Boy, I'm just sitting in there just bawling my eyes out, you know. Just emotional sort every once in a while. I don't believe there's nothing wrong with being soft-hearted. Boy, I'm telling you what, I listen to Brother Danny sing, and I'm thinking about all the people that made a difference in my life and invested in me and, and took time to recognize this little old uh, red-headed country boy and tried to say, what I think there's potential in him. Boy, I'm telling you what, it brings a tear to your eye, puts a, a strain on your old heart, remembering the people that invested in you. And I pray that the Lord does. Brother Danny, as you said, allow me to do something for someone that somebody, somebody will say thank you for investing in me. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. We'll be in Hebrews chapter number 11 this evening. Hebrews chapter number 11. On Sunday nights, whenever I have the opportunity to preach on Sunday nights, and I thank the Lord that he allows us to have some diversity on Sunday nights and allow Pastor Ken to preach and different things. And so, But every once in a while, I get to preach on Sunday nights. And when I do, uh, we look at this subject of heroes of the faith. And we have looked at some individuals. We've looked at folks in the Bible. We've looked at some folks from more modern times. Uh, but tonight, we'll be looking again at the subject of heroes of the faith, but tonight we'll be looking at the thought of how to become a hero of the faith. Well, whenever you mention heroes of the faith, I'm sure that all of us have different people that come to our mind. Maybe it's uh, someone from modern times, and we think of some of the great preachers of days gone by. We think of some of the those that were uh, died at the stake because of their faith. We think of those that uh, started a great awakening. We think of uh, those on the mission field who, uh, who labored endlessly, and we look at them, we're like, these are heroes of the faith. Perhaps you look into the Word of God, and you read the stories of the men in the Bible and the things that they accomplished. Elijah uh, calling down fire from heaven. Peter walking on the water and all these things and we look at all these people and we're like these are heroes uh, of the faith. And sometimes we put these men, whether from the Bible or from more modern times, we put them on a bit of a, a plateau, you know, and like they're up here and I'm down here as if there's two different levels uh, of Christians. There are these guys and then there's the normal guys, you know, and most of us are down here but every now and again someone will attain uh, to this. But whenever we look into the Word of God, I find that anybody, any Christian, any believer can become a hero of the faith. And so this evening we're going to look a little bit at this subject of how to become a hero of the faith. And I pray the Lord blesses uh, this message this evening. In Hebrews chapter number 11... Of course, this chapter is known uh, as the faith chapter. Some call it the, the hall of faith. And so we're going to read a few verses. We'll be skipping down through the, the chapter. But in Hebrews 11 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I'm just going to pause right here and give you a little nugget. If you ever want a verse in the Bible that is anti-evolution, it is Hebrews 11 verse number 3. It said the things that are made were not made by things that you can see. It was made by something you do not understand and cannot comprehend. Verse number 6. But without Without faith, 
It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Drop down to verse number 13. The, from between verse number 6 and verse number 13 we have a list of people who lived their life by faith and accomplished great things for God through faith. In verse number 13 it says these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Drop down to verse number 33. Who through faith, speaking of these same people, who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. So we see the positive effect of being a hero of faith. And now in the remainder of verse number 35 and down through verse number 40, we see the other side, the other heroes of faith. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute of tormented. I love this phrase right here. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, as we come before you this evening, Lord, I pray that you'll bless in the service. Father, I know that uh, most of the people here this evening, Lord, they have labored, they have worked. Uh, uh, Lord, they have put in long hours this past week. And Lord, uh, our bodies are tired, our minds are tired. Uh, but Father, Lord, we want to come together to worship you. And so, Father, as we look at your word concerning this thing of becoming a hero of faith, Father, I pray that you will take this simple yet practical message. And, Father, Lord, I pray that we'll apply it to our hearts and our lives and that, Father, we will endeavor to be people who put our trust in you and live according to what you have promised us, Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, I do pray that you'll be with uh, Miss Joe's mom and Mr. Faber, Lord, as they're going in for surgery tomorrow. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll be with them. And, uh, Lord, comfort their hearts and give them peace this night before for us. They're preparing for the surgery. Lord, I pray you be with the doctors. Give them wisdom. Give them guidance. Father, I pray as they perform these surgeries. Lord, I pray for others. Uh, Lord, that are homesick, not feeling well. Lord, I pray that you'll be with each one of them. Bless now as we look into your word and Father will praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here in Hebrews chapter number 11 we see a description of faith and of those who live by faith. We see in verse 33 down through verse number 35 that there are some great things that can be accomplished through faith but we also see in verse 35 through 40 that there is some great endurance that can be accomplished through faith. Whenever I was mentioning those that we may look at as heroes of the faith I spoke of those that ignited the great awakening and the revivals that spread all across the land. I also spoke of those that died at the stake. There is both a faith that allows us to accomplish great things and there is a faith that enables us 
us to endure uh, the trials of living in this world. Uh, but whenever we think about this thing of becoming a hero of faith, I've got just a few things. It's a simple message this evening, uh, but a few things that I believe we must do uh, if we are to ever become a hero uh, of the faith. The first thing we must do in order to be a hero of the faith uh, is we must step out in faith. We, we can talk all we want to about faith, but until we're willing to step out in faith and put our trust in God, we will never be able to accomplish anything bigger than ourselves. We have to be able to step outside of ourselves. If we look into the Word of God, we find that Abraham stepped out in faith when he left Ur of the Chaldees. If you look there in chapter 11, verse number 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. When Abraham stepped out to follow God, he stepped out in faith. God gave him a calling, and Abraham stepped out to follow God. We see that David stepped out in faith when he entered the valley of Elah. David shows up, the giant's down there, the giant's raising a bunch of rugas. He's saying all these blasphemies things against God. David says to Saul, I'll take care of that fella. I'm going down there to get him. But David knew that in himself and in his own strength and in his own ability, he was far outnumbered. There was no way that he could ever accomplish what needed to be accomplished. But he was operating outside of his own ability. And we'll look at this as we go throughout this message. But operating in faith is when we operate outside of of our own capabilities. Many times uh, we try to operate inside our own ability and our, our own reach and what we can accomplish and we call it faith. But it's not faith unless we have stepped outside of what we can accomplish on our own. David was outsized. He was out-equipped. Out uh, Goliath definitely had the advantage. But in 1 Samuel chapter number 17 and in verse number 45, then said David to the Philistine. Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but... <laughs> Boy, I just love that little word but right there. You look well equipped. It appears to everybody watching that you have what it takes to beat me, but I have a secret. I have something you don't know about. I have a supply that you've never cashed in on, and I want you to know, Goliath, that what you have is nothing against what I have. He said, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. When David started down into that valley, he was not putting any confidence in David and David's ability, but he was putting all confidence in what God was able to do. David stepped out in faith. There would have never been a victory in the valley of Elah had David not stepped out in faith, trusting that God would deliver him. He told Goliath in verse number 46, he said, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. 
David stepped out in faith when he started down into that valley. He said, I know this is not something I can accomplish, but I know that what needs to be accomplished is the will of God. It is the desire of God. God is just looking for a man who is willing to do what needs to be done. Therefore, I can approach this task with full confidence, knowing that God will take care of it because it is inside of the will of God. We see that Peter stepped out in faith. When he put his foot on top of the Sea of Galilee, Peter stepped out of that boat in faith. You know what? There'll be no heroic deeds of faith done. You and I will never accomplish something bigger than ourselves until we're willing to step out in faith. One author so accurately titled his book on the subject of faith, you can't walk on water unless you step out of the boat. Peter stepped out of the boat knowing it was impossible to walk on water but fully trusting that God would keep him on top of the water. Now notice that Peter didn't just jump out of the boat. No, no. Peter prayed before he jumped out of the boat. He said, if it be thee, bid me come to thee. And when Jesus said come, he knew that what he was getting ready to undertake was completely in the will of God. Therefore, he could step out of the boat in full confidence. You know what? Every now and again, we get mixed up on what faith is and we think it's some kind of magical resource that we can use to force God to give us what we want. That is not what faith is. Faith is looking in the Word of God at the promises of God and the will of God and operating inside what is clearly defined in the Word of God as the will of God, operating inside of that with full confidence that God will do what He said He would do. Some people think that if they have enough faith, they can win the lottery. Well, let me just tell you, God's not going to let you win the lottery. You can have all the faith you want, but that's not what faith is for. Faith is for working inside the will of God. Faith is not some kind of magical thing that we can access. I wrote this down. Faith is acting in according to the promises of God with no other proof of success in view. Operating inside the promises of God and according to the promises of God with no other proof of success. You know what, sometimes we'll do all the math, we'll do all the figures, we'll look at all the, all the numbers, and we'll say, you know what, I believe that we can do this. Let's step out in faith. Yeah. No, no. Faith is when we operate with no other, no other proof that it's going to be successful except the Word of God. No other proof except the Word of God. Hello, Miss Emma. Are you happy tonight? Do you operate in faith? Amen. All righty. Faith is acting according to the promises of God. What is an example of a promise of God that we can act on? In Psalm 126 and verse number 6, the Bible says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What am I saying? The Bible tells me this is a promise of God. The Bible also tells me that it's the will of God that none should perish but that all should come to repentance. The Bible promises me that if I go forth with weeping, bearing precious seed, the seed, the word of God, that I will 
doubtless come again, bringing my sheaves with him. You know the one thing that we doubt the most? Boy, Brother Danny shared a testimony this morning leading someone to Christ. And he talked about how that we have so much doubt whenever we're like, boy, I ought to share the gospel with this person. And boy, the devil's on your back. And no, no, you don't need to talk to him about that. You don't need to say anything. I'm telling you, we have so much doubt when it comes to sharing the gospel. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to know what I have to say. Nobody wants to talk about the Bible anymore. Nobody wants to be witness to. They don't want me to interrupt them. They're busy. Boy, we have all kind of excuses that why we hesitate to share the gospel. But the promise of God is that if we share it, we will come back rejoicing. We will come back bringing the harvest. There will be fruit for our labor. There's entire books that have been written on why soul winning doesn't work anymore. Well, let me tell you, if we started operating in faith, in other words, going out with no other proof of success except the fact that God said if we do it, He will deliver. I believe that He will come through on His promises. When we step out in faith, we're to ask within the will of God, according to the Word of God, and based upon the promises of God. We can trust that our God will supply all our need according to his riches in glory. You know, this is where we get a little mixed up sometimes. Boy, I'm telling you what, and I'll hit on this the other Sunday, so I'll try not to hit on it too much. We are so spoiled. I'm telling you what, we are so spoiled. And we get so short with God when we don't have all the creature comforts we think we deserve. I'm telling you, I really think that God is going to be a little disappointed with the way some of us conducted ourselves here on this earth. Because of the things that we felt we needed to have, and there's souls dying and going to hell, there's missionaries that need support, and we're praying for a new couch. I think God's going to be a little disappointed in us. Well, I just, I just, that, that couch is two years old. It's got a tire in the corner, and I'm just trusting that God will provide us a new couch. You know what? Maybe you ought to just sit on the old couch and, and pray that God will give some money to the missionary in the foreign field. Well, I'm telling you what, I believe a lot of times we get mixed up on this thing of faith because we're trying to utilize it to increase our material wealth rather than utilizing it to further the will of God. He promised, I will supply all your need according to my riches and glory. And you know what? I have seen him do it over and over and over and over and over again. When Kel was born, it snowed, I don't know, it snowed a lot of snow. There's a picture of me holding a yardstick against the top of a rabbit cage, and the snow's deeper than the yardstick, but it might have been a drift. There's so much snow I had to put chains on my four-wheel drive truck to get out of my driveway to take Melissa to the hospital so she could deliver Kale. I mean, it was a lot of snow. I have a cistern at my house, uh, so we have to get our water hauled in, and uh, we ran out of water that day. And waterman couldn't get to the house to deliver more water. My mother-in-law's there taking care of the other kids. Melissa and I are in the four-wheel drive truck on our way to the hospital, and the mother-in-law calls on the phone, and she says, your stove don't work. I'm like, my stove don't work. She's like, no, I can't get it to turn on. None of the eyes will turn on. The oven won't turn on. I can't cook any food for the kids. I don't have any water. I think we had got her some bottled water, but don't have any water, can't wash. Now the stove don't work. What am I going to do? 
I get to the hospital, get Melissa in the care of the doctors, and I say, Lord, I need a stove. And we can manage with it. I mean, we'll melt snow. We'll do what we have to, but Grandma needs a stove. Hopped online, and there was this freebie thing. You know how you can find these freebie things where people give stuff away? I hopped on here on my phone to this freebie alert thing and typed in the search bar, electric stove. One popped up that had been posted like five minutes before. It was right here, in uh, just like a mile from here, right down the road here. I called the people, said, you got that stove? They said, it's on the front porch. I said, I'll be there to get it. I left my wife in the good hands of the doctor. I drove down here. I loaded the stove on my truck. I took it to the house. I carried it in, hooked it up for Grandma, and went back to the hospital before Kale even arrived. You know what? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Now, I have to tell you, it wasn't the latest and greatest stove. It wasn't stainless. It didn't have all the good features, but it would cook food. And Grandma was back in business, and I could tell story after story after story where God provided our needs. He said, I'll provide all your needs. Just trust me. I'll take care of you. Not only do we need to step out in faith, but if we're going to be a hero of the faith, we must be willing to walk by faith. When Peter stepped out of the boat on the Sea of Galilee, he was making history. I mean, we still talk about it. Comes up in a lot of my messages. He was making history, Peter was until he got his eyes off of Jesus and began looking at the circumstances and made some more history, but it wasn't near as positive. He began to sink. Peter was making history as long as he was walking by faith. We think about Abraham. Abraham left the earth of the Chaldees and Abraham was claiming the promises of God. Everywhere he went, God would say, look around, Abraham, it all belongs to you. He'd travel a little bit further and God would say, look around, Abraham, it all belongs to you. He'd set his tent up on another mountain. Look around, Abraham, it all belongs to you. And then Abraham got hungry, quit trusting God, and went to Egypt. Telling you what, we do good as long as we walk by faith. But whenever we get our eyes off of God and start looking at the circumstances, we begin to fail. The Bible says in Psalm 1 and verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know what this world is going to tell us over and over and over again? That there's a better way to do it. But the Christian will walk by faith and won't listen to the counsel of the ungodly. Not only did they do step out in faith and walk by faith. To be a hero of the faith, we need to learn to wait in faith. Now this is probably the most difficult step in living by faith of any of them. And that's waiting in faith. You know, God's timetable isn't our timetable. And God loves to make it very obvious that he was the one that provided the need. And in order to do that, many times we got to wait right up to the line so that it's very clear this was God and not me. But you see, we have a problem with waiting right up to the line. And I think many times we miss some pretty powerful blessings because we quit waiting on God and try to take care of it ourselves. If we're going to be a hero of the faith, we got to wait in faith. Noah had to wait for the rain a hundred years. He had to wait for the rain, but he waited. After the flood, he had to wait to leave the ark, but he waited. Joshua had to wait for the walls of Jericho to fall down, 
seven days marching around the walls of Jericho, being laughed at, made fun of, people uh, talking about him. And I'm sure not only was the enemy making fun of him, I'm sure there were people back at camp that was making fun of Joshua and his military tactics marching around the wall of Jericho. But he kept on doing what God said to do. And on the seventh day, after the seventh circle, the walls came tumbling down because he waited on God to do what God said he would do. I think about Peter. He's sitting there in prison and the king has said, in the morning, I'm going to cut your head off. <laughs> that's, a, that's a miserable night. Can you imagine that night? <laughs> in the morning, you're losing your head, Mr. Peter. All night he's sitting there in the prison, waiting, waiting, waiting. And then the angel comes and swings the door open and says, come on, Peter, put your shoes on. We're getting out of here. But he had to wait on God to deliver him. Many, many times faith involves waiting, trusting, depending on God and his provision. As I said, many, I believe, miss the thrill of the last-minute provision because we give up on God and begin looking to ourselves before God comes through. And I really believe that there are situations where God was going to come through, but we took it into our own hand and missed what God was getting ready to do. I've talked about George Mueller a good bit lately, and some of you have probably heard the story of George Mueller, pretty famous story, how he sat down at the table and prayed for a meal that wasn't on the table. Lord, we thank you for this food that you're about to provide. I don't know that I have that much faith. I'd be too scared that I was going to look like an idiot. I'd just convince myself, Brother Rick, we are going to pray until food comes. This will be a five-minute prayer or a five-hour prayer, but I'm not quitting praying until the food shows up. You know what? If we had that attitude, we might see some more answers. But anyway, George Mueller sat down at the table, and he prayed for a meal that wasn't there, and while he was praying, there was a knock on the door, and the food was delivered. I believe many times we shortchange ourselves of some pretty big blessings because long before it was time to pray, we would have been out trying to find something somebody to provide us with something that we could feed the kids when God had something far better in store for us. If we're going to be a hero of the faith, we've got to learn to wait in faith. But then if we're going to be a hero of the faith, we must also learn to work in faith. Work in faith. What, what do I mean when I say work in faith? In other words, expending our effort in confidence of the promises of God. Expending my effort confident that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. In other words, Joel, he makes these knives and he uses a lot of epoxy to hold the different parts of the knife together while he's in the process of making it. And a lot of times you'll get that epoxy and it'll say mix this much of this with this much of this to create an epoxy that's strong enough to hold together what you need to hold together. And you know what? I never fret and worry about how it's going to turn out. No, no, I just put how much the instruction says. We put this much of this and this much of this and we stir it up with full confidence that the results are going to be what the instruction said the results were going to be. And we can apply this so many places. You know what? Whenever we're working for God, we work in faith. He gave us some instructions. He said, here's the things you need to do and if you do these things, this is what will happen. And so we just do the things he says. Whether or not we see the results immediately, we just do what he says and trust that he will do what he said he will do in the book of Acts. The Bible said that the Lord will add to the church. 
that he will add to the church. Now, he also gives us instructions in the Word of God. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He also gives us instruction to, to witness and to share the truth and to spread the Word. He gives us these instructions. But he also says, I will add to the church. And you know something I have seen over and over and over and over again? You and I go, we witness, we tell people about the Lord, we do our best to spread the gospel, and then the Lord adds to the church. In other words, somebody we, we hadn't even met yet shows up, and God adds to the church. You do what he says, he will take care of the results. And then last of all, this evening, last of all, I believe that if we're going to be heroes of the faith, we must learn to fight by faith. We must learn to fight by faith. And this is really where I was headed all evening, so hopefully this will be a blessing to you. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 3, Paul told Timothy, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 6, 12, Paul said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, Verse number 16 of Ephesians 6, Paul said, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And I have to tell you, as I put this message together, thought about this message, this right here hit home with me in a way it never had before. What are some darts that the devil uses to defeat Christians? What, what are some things he throws at us? I was talking this morning about last week there on Thursday morning being discouraged and wanting to cancel Bible school. Not really. But you know, one of the darts the devil throws at us is discouragement. He'll throw that dart right at you. Discouragement. You know, another dart, I was talking to a good friend of mine uh, just a week or so ago. Maybe it was last week. I was talking to a good friend of mine about depression and how, boy, the devil will just get on your back and just defeat you and, like, get you in a dark a dark environment where you can't seem to see out of it and you're just, you can't even explain why, but you're in this state of depression. That's a dark devil throws at you. That boy, I'm telling you what, will just make a Christian defenseless and unable to do what he ought to do. He'll throw a dart of despair at you. Have you ever found yourself in a state of despair? You just did not know what to go, do, which way to turn, how things were going to work out. All these darts that the devil throws at you. We could think of many, many, many different darts that the devil throws at you. And the Bible says here in Ephesians, concerning the armor of God, he said, above all, in other words, if you're going to win in this spiritual warfare, the most important piece of armor you've got is the shield of faith. And with the shield of faith, you will be able, let me read it to you just how it says it. He says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You know what this tells me? Is that if I have got faith in the word of God and the promises of God and the will of God, there is nothing the devil can throw at me that can harm me. Sometimes we'll use the phrase, we'll enter into something in our life a situation, a sickness, maybe a, maybe a loved one is sick or whatever it may be, maybe a, an accident or many things could apply. But we'll make this statement, that shook my faith. In other words, uh, that situation caused me to almost 
doubt God. That caused me to almost question uh, whether or not God was still in control. I did not understand that situation to the point uh, that I almost lost faith uh, in God. It shook my faith. Uh, You know what the Bible is telling us here is that the greatest defense we have uh, against the attacks uh, of the devil uh, is our belief uh, in the Word of God and the will of God and the promises of God. Whenever we begin to get discouraged and defeated and depressed and in despair, it's because we have taken our eyes off the fact that God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We have taken our eyes off the fact that this world is not our home, but we are on our way to a better place. We have taken our eyes off of the fact that we serve the King of all the earth. We are under the control of the Creator of all the universe, and we've taken our eyes off of that, and the devil sees that we've let the shield down, and he begins to throw the darts, but when we keep that shield of faith up, the Bible says we can quench all the fiery darts of the wind. There is nothing the devil can throw at us when our faith is strong. And how do we get our faith strong? Boy, I'm telling you what, this is so practical, but yet sometimes so hard to apply. How do we get our faith strong? And right here's the answer. Just drink it and drink it and drink it. Feast on the Word of God. Feast on the Word of God. Get this book in you. I'm telling you, there is nothing that will build your faith like the Word of God. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in. Friend of mine, He's a bit of a health nut. He said the other day, he said, American society eats poison, drinks poison, watches poison, and listens to poison, and then complains about their health. (laughs) You know what? I believe we can apply that to Christians sometimes, though. We watch poison and listen to poison and then wonder why we don't have the faith that we ought to have. You know what? Let the poison alone. If you want to build your faith, like I said, it's so simple, but it seems so hard to apply. You're like, my Pastor John, there's, there's so many parts of the Bible that I just don't understand. Read it again. There's so many places where I get bogged down. Read it again. There's so many things that just doesn't make sense to me. Just read it again. Read it again. Read it again. You want to get close to God, get yourself plumb smack full of this book. And I'm telling you, it will change the way you see the world. It'll change the way you see yourself. It'll change the way you react to the attacks of the devil. If you drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, drink it in. But you know what? When life gets hard, we have a tendency because we're flesh and we're weak to to not go where we need to be. You know what you need to do then? Let your brothers and sisters in Christ know. Hey, pray for me. Devil's been on my back. Hey, pray for me. I need I need you to lift me up, brother. I've been I've been struggling to get in the book, brother. Lift me up. You know what? We don't criticize one another for that because we're honest. Every one of us have been there. We know what's going on. We don't criticize. We just pray with them, hold them up, uh, pray for them uh, that God will get the devil off their back and they can get back in this book uh, and they can get filled with the Word of God. It's simple, and sometimes we fail to preach it because we feel like there's got to be a deeper answer is really not. You want to be strong in faith. Drink in His Word. When I think about faith, I think about this, that faith doesn't operate within the circumstances. 
You and I operate within the circumstances. Whatever our situation is, we operate inside of that. Faith operates outside the circumstances. If it's within the circumstances, it's not faith. Faith is outside the circumstances. Faith is not constrained by that which limits me. Faith is not held back by what holds me back. It can go beyond. That's the, major, that's the amazing thing about faith. There's a song we sing that says, Faith sees the invisible, believes the impossible, receives the incredible, moves the unmovable, and proves the unprovable. See, faith, faith doesn't work inside the box. You know, every now and again we'll say, we're going to have to think outside the box. That's where faith lives. Faith doesn't work inside the box. Faith works outside the box. It is always doing that uh, which we cannot understand. In Luke 17, verse number 5, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. You know what we need to pray with the disciples? Lord, increase our faith. Help us be people that believe in you. I believe that only through an unshakable belief in the ability of an almighty God Will we rise above the constraints of this life and accomplish amazing things for the cause of Christ? Anybody can be a hero of the faith. But we've got to be willing to operate by faith according to the Word of God, in the will of God, doing what God's Word says. You know what? A lot of times we get some big ideas, make sure they're according to the Word of God, according to the will of God. And if they fit inside this book, step out on it. We have a God that's big enough to make whatever needs to be done happen. I was thinking that maybe we'd close this service. Miss Debbie, if you come, page 873, close the service by singing, Living by Faith. Hymn number 873, it's not on the screen, so look in your book. Hymn number 873, Living by Faith. need not be afraid of operating inside of belief in God. Not foolish, not living foolishly, but living inside the power of an almighty God. I care not today what tomorrow may bring in shadow or sunshine Oh, that he safely will carry me through.
Thank you, Lord, that we have a God that we can trust in, believe in, and operate through. Father, I thank you for it. I pray, dear Lord, that you will help us to be people who by faith live according to the promises of your word. Thank you, Father, for your blessings to us. Be with us as we go our different way home. Bless us throughout this week. Give us opportunity, Lord, to point someone to Calvary, I pray. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.